Blog Talk Radio. Welcome this snowy morning. I was just talking to our fabulous guest today. It snowed here a little bit yesterday. I was actually in New York coming back. The sidewalks were a little bit slick, but we only got about an inch of snow. It's still it's still outside. We haven't had a heavy, heavy snowfall in a while. But for those of you on the East Coast where it snowed, happy snowy Saturday, January the 26th. <laughs> The, the last Saturday in in January, I mean, it it almost feels like the new year. It, it was was quite a ways away, but it was only twenty six days ago. But thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I always love to thank our loyal listeners. The number of listeners we have just continues to increase, and I, I so appreciate folks spreading the word about Off the Shelf, and many people find it, I guess, as they're on the Internet, just searching for something to tune into on a Saturday morning, and they find us. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I want to introduce myself so you know who you're talking to. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I am coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. I encourage you, please, don't let another day pass before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. You're going to get mystery and romance and intrigue and the high chase scenes and loads of entertainment when you read Love Pour Over Me, which this month is featured in Black Pearls Magazine and at EDC Creations, and I appreciate their support. So you can get a copy of Love Pour Over Me today. It's in print and in ebook format, so you can get it from places like ebook it, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, Google Books, iTunes, and you can get it uh, at, at any bookstore. If you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk for it, and they can order a special copy for you. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. Our special guest today is Claudia Moss. Claudia is a former college board consultant. She's a motivational speaker, a poet, and the author of the books, If You Love Me, Come, and Dolly, the memoirs of a high school graduate. She's working on a new book, which we're going to talk about today, Not Without Passion. And I'm sure she would love it if you visit her online at our website, Claudia Moss. Dot webs, W-E-B-S dot com. And her name is spelled C-L-A-U-D-I-A-M-O-S-S. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Claudia. Thank you. It is <laughs> such a pleasure to be back on Off the Shelf, Denise. So thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, I do need to remind everyone that my uh, new... My new website is www.claudiamoss.wordpress.com. So oh, that's WordPress. where I'm blogging, yes, and sharing information about my writing life, and uh, that's where I'm very much live. Okay, claudiamoss.wordpress.com. Now, we, yes. we, we, we had the pleasure of speaking earlier this year, and, I, and you have such a wonderful, wonderful spirit. I wanted to ask you, and, and, and we were talking before the show launched, about your new book. Uh, what new projects are you working on? Um, can you tell us about Not Without Passion? Is it fiction or nonfiction, first of all? First of all, uh, it is definitely fiction. It's okay. definitely fiction, yes, indeed. And uh, it's a contemporary romance with just a twist of, the supernatural. Ah, yeah. Is this your first time taking on some a little bit of sci-fi or 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 the supernatural that element that seems to be really popular right now with books. Oh my, it's amazing. Especially like the vampire popular. books and all that. Yes. For some reason, yes. it's very oh very God. popular. Is this your first yes. time working with that type well, of um, material? Uh, not quite. No, uh, the paranormal drifted into the novel, If You Love Me, Come, when my character, Miss Too Sweet, could listen to the wind and understand the stories on the wind that would relate to the people in her life. Wow. So that aspect, I I think I will always have some sort of a mystical, magical, supernatural, paranormal um, something in each story, 
but this one is, and not without passion, the paranormal is more palpable than in uh, If You Love Me, Come, because uh, it's going to be a driving force for the characters in that book, Leo and uh, Moon, and also the mysterious African woman now in that book. Are you finished with Not Without Passion? Are you just starting on it? And it, uh, are these, can you let us know if they're like vampires or, or is it something uh, like that? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I, I, could, I could say vampires, but a lot of them will come out of um, the Navajo culture of shapeshifters and being able to uh, see someone walk down a road and then you no longer see the person but you see a wolf or wow. you see a great big dog uh, because shapeshifters can do just what their name indicates. Now, where, where did and that come Did you make that, that up or is that... Did you make up that, that came from... Say it again, Denise. Did you make up that shapeshifter or is that something that's like in the Native American history or is that something that you researched? About the yeah. shape shifter, or okay. Yes, that is definitely something uh, grounded in research and folklore in Navajo, in particular culture, because my main character, my protagonist, uh, Moon Renfro, her mother, Sapphira Renfro, is Native American Navajo, and her father is African American. Well, let's just be honest with so many uh, African Americans, you will see in their faces and in their hair the Native American influence. So I just thought to myself, why not have a character in this book who is definitely part Native and part African American and bring with her some of the traditions for Native Americans and, and research it. So I, I looked into researching recipes and practices and the supernatural came up, and I just continued with the researching. So I said, ah, yes, this would be great. And and Moon Renfro looks like, uh, in my head, my maternal grandmother, who was also Native and African American, um, with the dark skin, the keen features, and the jet black, long, silky ponytail. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> that's the first time I ever heard of that term. It's amazing how much in, different info and stuff is out here that we don't hear yeah. about. Like your character, you said, who can listen to the wind, I guess, when somebody's around. you know, I know you, we can feel each other's energy and vibes, yeah. and you can pick up people's attitudes without them having yeah. to say a word. I don't think there's a human alive who can't do that. We can tell somebody's yeah. in a bad mood or it's two people don't like each other. You can pick that up without anybody ever saying it. They don't a even word. need to say a That's word. Right. You can pick it up. And it's funny how we try to hide our feelings and we try to hide oh, stuff. And and yes. it's, it's such a waste because everybody already knows what you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> everybody already knows. So. <laughs> because, you know, it, it, that is so true. Um, a large part of us. Uh, is that unspoken element that mm-hmm. snaps and pops in energy. And mm-hmm. we can tell if someone's energy does not sit well with us. We can tell if we're attracted to a person via their energy. It's it's an energetic world, and, and yep. I think that energy is love. Yes, yes. Now, now, how long have you been writing on Not Without Passion, and what inspired you to, oh, to start on the, the book? Okay. Uh what what I've been writing it I believe for a little over a year and sometimes you know we're both writers so we understand the aspect of sometimes you can just dive right into the writing of it. Oh, you're writing it every day, every other day you're working on it. And then something happens in the logarithms of life. And you kind of get waterlogged. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. there comes a point when you might stop altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's taking me uh, longer than I had projected because 
sometimes we put ourselves on a timetable and we say, okay, it's going to take me six months to write this, another two months to edit, and it will go to print in uh, another month or two. But we, we just can't, we just can't um, allow the engine to stop when certain things crank up in our lives. We just got to go back and keep working. So that's where I am. I'm, I was almost at the end of finishing uh, Not Without Passion, and I was filled with so much passion as I was writing it. But then I, I really stopped, Denise, to work on my poetry book and some other things and, and promoting the poetry book, uh, Soft Tsunami. And I just knew that I had to get back to finishing up uh, Not Without Passion. So I have determined that I am going to finish that up early 2013 this year and have that ready very soon to come out uh, because I'll give myself enough time to have it edited and to sit with it, put it away, pull it out again, and let it go. Because I, when when I release and birth my literary children, I want them to be the very best that they can be mm-hmm. when what, I release them. What inspired, what inspired you? <laughs> yeah, what inspired you to write Not Without Passion? Um, what inspired me was, um, I would say, a compendium of my life and the questions, what if? Mm. And in my life, when I started writing it, I was going through transitions where I was leaving one stage and going on to another. And in some places, I did it voluntarily. In other places, it seemed like the universe was shifting me around on the Mm -hmm. board of life. So I thought to myself, what if I have a character who decides, to a certain extent like I did, to leave one particular thing in life, let's say a job, and -hmm. just walk out on the faith that if God be God and God is God, I can do whatever I want to do uh, and that power will sustain me. And and then when you jump off the deep end of the swimming pool like that, you just have faith that you'll come back up to the surface and you're going to be invigorated and you'll be all right. But so many times we've got to be pushed into the pool. We've got to be coerced and urged and sweet-talked and promised something. But those people who just say, oh, I'm jumping in here and just cannonball in the pool, you you just go, oh, my God, did they really do that? Yeah. Well, but you know what? They, we don't know what was going on. We don't. See, we're just external. We're just spectators of each other's lives. We know what's going on in our own head. We know what's going on in our own lives. But with other people, we're just a spectator. So we don't really know what they're thinking. They might have had some inner guidance that said, "Do this. It's gonna. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. It's gonna work." And then, right. yeah, you can take that big that big leap. But when you don't yeah. know, oh, you yeah. might swim and you might not swim. But you take that chance anyway because, like you said, that something inside that's always with us says, I got you. I got you. Go on. Go on and do it. And then when we feel that, we kind of flex and go, you know what? That's right. I can do it. I'm going to do it. And and you just step out more and more in your life and do things you want to do. When, When you have that prompting, when you don't and you just on your own go diving in, I'm not so sure that all the time it turns out right. I'm just looking at people's lives. It doesn't always look that way. When you go on your own, when your inner courses do it, absolutely. But when you're just jumping around, I don't know. I don't know that I can see it always <laughs> works out. I've seen cases where it didn't work out so well. But, yeah, when you get those inner promptings, that's interesting. I love to know what inspires people to write their stories, the genesis of their story, and just hearing that is very interesting that you you have a character in here who just does take the dive, and then we get to follow yeah. the story to see what happens yeah. to this character based upon that choice and that that initial that, action step that this character took, what, what comes of them. And it does bring change. It does. Change brings change. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. When you dive off and you leave a platform yes. that you, you've known your Ooh. whole Setting everything changes, everything shifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to. T- I want to uh, talk. Go ahead. Uh, one thing I like, one thing I love about the novel is that 
the main character meets another character and realizes that they've been together for many lifetimes. And I wanted to explore that part of the paranormal and wow. the softly supernatural in the sense that you can uh, recognize your eyes can be open to a particular person uh, at the right time, at the right place, that you feel, like we said, energetically, you feel this person and you know this person, but you've got to um, meet them again in another body, in another guise, but, but you know you've loved them before. And so I just don't stop there. I bring them together, and when they're together, they realize where they've been concretely. They've been in the time before Columbus, in the time here, and one was this. One might have been an Indian. The other might have been something else. It was like that. Wow. (laughs) You know, that takes me back to a movie. Get the name of it. I don't know if you saw it. He, 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 he. Uh, 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 oh, I can't remember the name of it. But there were these characters. They were kind of like angels, but they weren't. And they would do stuff like make sure his his bus was late so he didn't run into this woman. He and this woman had spent other <laughs> lifetimes together. Yes, and they didn't. They did, they wanted to change the script. They didn't think they belonged together. And there was this supreme leader who made the ultimate decisions. Well, Matt and this woman loved each other so much that the supreme leader changed its mind and let them be together. Oh, yeah, my that, goodness. Yeah, that was, I forget the name of it, but I, I've, I've seen it. Uh, I want to say the Adjustment Bureau. The Adjustment Bureau is something like that. But when you were describing your movie, Matt, your book, it reminded me of the Matt Damon movie. I want to talk about some of your other books. Can you tell us? How you created Miss Wanda B. Wonders. <laughs> You're some fascinating characters. Your characters are fascinating. i got to tell you, they really are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Wanda is just everybody's flippant sister who's intelligent, who's sharp, who's humorous, who doesn't mind speaking up when everybody else wants her to be quiet and saying exactly what's on her mind. And Wanda sprang up for me when uh, I fell in love with Langston Hughes so many years ago, and Langston's character, Jesse B. Simple, was a man much like Wanda in the sense that Jesse B. was this black man in Harlem uh, who was just not a, a educated man. He was speaking to an educated man, a Mr. Boyd, who was an academician, and they would talk in a bar. And Langston would have Jesse as the common, everyday, ordinary black man who had an opinion on everything in his day. <laughs> so he talked about uh, Mr. Charlie. He talked about a black man couldn't do this, couldn't buy this. He talked about even the bomb in the atomic age when a black man might be turned away from the bomb shelters. They would say, okay, no, you can't come in. And he'd say, oh, my God, you got to let me in. What am I going to do out here? And, <clears throat> and it, was always, it was always humorous. So, mm-hmm. so I love the way Langston Hughes used as his choice of weapons, literarily, humor and poetry and uh, black folklore. And I just thought, well, I just thought and thought. And I said, Hmm. And then I thought about me and my life and my sisters and how humorous we were, and my sisters are hilarious, and they have an opinion on everything, and it makes sense usually. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this woman just sprang up in my head, and her name was Wanda B. Wonders because she just be wondering about everything. <laughs> and she wants to know about Obama being our illustrious president, and she loves Octomom because she scratches her head and says, how could a white woman come up with enough money, a poor white woman, with enough money to have all these embryos implanted in her, have all these children, and then once she has these 16 or so children, she gifts, and, and, and everybody wants to support her, and Wanda B is going, as I can take you down to the ghetto and show you quite a few black women with a whole lot of children that America is not even getting up, saying, Wanda says exactly what's on her mind. 
And she has this husband named uh, Willie Wonders. Her name is Wanda B. Wonders, but her husband's name is Willie Wonders. And he absolutely loves and adores her. And Wanda says, uh, Willie's money is my money, and my money is my money. And that's why (laughs) I love him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Go ahead, Wanda. (laughs) Wanda B. Wonders. (laughs) Yes, yes. And Wanda has sisters, so... She's always going over and helping her sisters with their lives. And her sisters have grown children. And Wanda goes in and straightens them out. <laughs> oh, Wanda, she's a Mrs. Fix-It. Uh, what, what, oh, is, yes. what is the supreme dream? What's the supreme oh, dream? My. <laughs> the supreme dream is Miss Lady's beauty salon. It's her um it's her nail salon, I should say. The Supreme Dream. And Miss Lady is actually the exact uh replica of of uh the type of character that the academician is for Jesse B. Simple. Jesse Jesse just doesn't talk. He talks to Mr. Boyd, who is the academician. So Wanda B talks to Miss Lady who is the proprietor of the Supreme Dream. So she goes in and gets her nails done and her pedicures and her manicures. And I thought to myself, in a nail salon, people talk. People go in and they talk to their technicians and they exchange worldviews and love lives. Mm -hmm. And Wanda goes in and takes over. And the whole salon gets quiet when she comes in so they can hear what's on her mind. Oh, your characters. Oh, my goodness. Now, for our off-the-shelf listeners who didn't catch your earlier show, I want I want to talk about some of your, your previous works. Um, you are just, your characters are just, and that's one of the things I'm told that attracts readers to a book, are characters, and you just have these fascinating <laughs> characters, just, just fascinating. How old? When we talk about If You Love Me Come, how old is Frenonia Roberts, the main character in If You Love Me Come? And, and the reason I asked you this before, she looks so young on the cover, but can you just let our re- listeners know? Yes. Give us a little bit uh, of a background on Frenonia. Okay. Uh, she is uh, a character who is a sassy uh, black woman, and, and her nickname is Free. And so... Um, I, I I got her. I was thumbing through an Essence, not Essence, uh, Ebony magazine, and they had Bachelorettes of the Year in the magazine, and I saw a name that just caught my attention and threw me to the floor, and I got up and said, Frenonia, what kind of name is that? Frenonia, F-R-E-N-O-N-I-A. And then I thought, I like that name. And I decided to have that name for Frenonia, and she's about 30, 35. She's about 35, 36. So I said, and not only is she going to have a strange name, but her nickname is going to be Free from Frenonia. I can get free. Why free? Because this woman is free within her heart, within her head. She is free, just like Wanda B., to be who she is, the the owner of a bookstore in Atlanta. She is free to tell her longtime, well-loved boyfriend, if you can't love me right, you can hit the door, the porch, the, the yard, and keep it popping. And, and when you get it right, you can come back to me. Uh, she, <laughs> she is. Not, yeah, and you know what? Your characters, now you've described Wanda B. Wonders. Her husband's money's hers, and so is hers. And she's just a fascinating character. She 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 wonders about everything, and she's not shy about sharing her her thoughts and opinions about stuff. And then Miss Frenona, she's they're bold, audacious women. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. But but in if you love me, come. And you talked about Frenona. She's not gonna put up with no stuff. And, and once you get it together, if she still feel, has feelings for you, you can come back. Now she has it. She has it going on. She owns a bookstore, like you said. She started a national arts festival, and she had a steady That's man, right. JT, in her life. What happens right. to send her life spiraling out of control? Yeah, because it doesn't all stay together. Mm-hmm. That's a great question because um, so many times in life we we think 
we are on top of the world, and, and we may be, and others peek into our lives, like you said, we don't really know what's going on in another's life. We, we're on different stages peeking over in their stages uh, on somebody else. But um, sometimes we are on the top of the world and we're confident, but then the world has a way of caving in and tumbling down to build us up, to build us up and make us even better. But when we tumble down, we think that is the absolute worst thing that could have happened to us, and how could you do that, God, to let this happen to me? Yeah. But then afterwards we think, oh, God, thank you so much because now I'm in a much better place, and now I'm thinking I never would have gotten here had my world had my world not tumbled in. So when she tells JT in the beginning of the story to take a hike because he has gotten beyond himself with this control thing, um, she realizes that she misses him in a very deep, visceral way. She really misses him, and it's taking her uh, down and down and down. And it, But she doesn't realize that that is her setup to come back because uh, JT is also realizing that he loves her and he doesn't want to lose her. So he's doing everything behind the scenes to get her back, but she doesn't know that. She's just taking a chance uh, when she finally pulls herself together. So to would you back. say they should have broken up or that they? Yes. she shouldn't? Oh, you, you do think I, they should have? I, I, say, I say there was no other way that they were going to get to where they were at the end of the book with the reunion scene uh, if they had not broken up, not only for the sake of drama in a story, but sometimes people do take one another for granted. And Mm -hmm. they walk in such a way as this person is going to always be here. This person is going to always feel this way. So when something spirals into their lives and knocks them on the head and everything falls apart, then you get a chance to ponder a situation and think, oh, wait a minute, I, I where what, what was I thinking here? I really love this person, and I don't want to lose this person, so I need to adjust myself. I can't adjust the person. I've got to adjust me. And she does that away from JT, and he does that away from her. But that is basically what happens to all of the other leading, uh, well, support characters in the book. Uh, They have things that happen to them that um, spirals out of control that they have to have someone to say, I really love you, and and if you love me, take a chance and take my hand and let's walk this walk. And that's one of the biggest risks in life, you know, when when you decide to devote yourself. I've heard people say this when they when they they'll say I was married for 17, 30 years or more and me and my uh their former spouse you know getting a divorce, they'll they'll say I put so much into it. So when you when you when you go when you say I, I want to share my life with you whether you a person is married or not, that's a lot of time and commitment and dedication and devotion and some people will later say I put so much into it and it still didn't work. So it, it, when you talk about your book and when you just give some of the backstory to it and the background, you know, you you just listening to your interview today as a in a whole so far, you are about taking risks because people, a lot of times we yes. don't think of it sharing our life with somebody else. That is maybe the big, biggest risk we will take. And some of That's us, right. like you said, JT and Fernonia, you thought they should have broken up. Some people, you know, a lot of times say stick it together. Stick together and just work through it. Just pound your way through the the most difficult parts of it to hopefully come out with something good. But some of us, uh, Claudia, and this is more like a, a life question than, than about your book. And I do definitely want to continue to discuss if you love me come. But don't do you think some of us don't learn in the, in this lifetime? Some of us don't. I mean, we go in and out of all I, kinds of relationships, and we still have the same bad habits with the fifteenth person that we had with the first? I I think so because sometimes we're resistant to change and we don't realize that in order to change perhaps the circumstances around us, we've got to change ourselves. And if if our mouths are too caustic and hard and our words are fists, 
uh, if we find that we are like that in one relationship after the other, uh, we've got to change ourselves. And I agree with you. Yes. But we we often think, and for Noni and JT, and this is what makes If You Love Me come a, a beautiful story. They do learn. But so often we keep thinking, it's something outside of us. It's the job. It's my kids. It's the pastor. It's it's the it's the right. neighbors. It's it's the it's the person. I, we never stop to think it's me, and and then oh, no. the change then the change doesn't come. We just go from one relationship to the next to the next to the next to the next to the next. One job to the next to the next to the next to the next to the next. One neighborhood to the next to the next to the next. Nothing changes. Yeah, and we keep blaming other people. Yeah, the light never goes on. It, the, the bell never goes ding, 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 ding. <laughs> exactly. You mean, that's true. Because, see, a lot of people, I, I think, don't have a Socratic understanding of Socrates' quote that the unexamined life isn't worth living. You've got to stop and examine your life sometimes. You've got to stop and examine who you are and what you want and how you walk in the world. And if you don't, you continue doing certain things that may bring about the same result. And and if, when you ex- stop and examine self, then you can decide what you need to change to become a better person. What else is this walk of life about? It's mm-hmm. not learning to love and be loved. And and. Learning to love yourself is paramount. Right, right. So that you can be better and better. Right. Now, so why do Spanish we say? Mm-hmm. Cada día somos más. Would you say? We say we are better. As the Spanish can say, cada día somos más. Each day we are better. Mm. We're supposed to be better. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's wonderful the way you show. Fernoni and JT, just the mass, the absolute mass. <laughs> they break apart, and they both grow and learn, and then when they come back together, it's a, it's much, much better. Now, why don't, because Fernonia goes through it, why why don't her relatives and friends, this part made me kind of angry, why don't her relatives and friends step forward? Why don't they offer her more support and help? Well, Fernonia is one where she's, so used to doing everything on her own, and she's got her own house, her car, her business. She just looks like everything is together, and she doesn't need somebody else's comment, and the family knows that about her, and they also know that they're much like that themselves. The mother in her life, in her relationship, she's strong, and she doesn't need anybody to come help her the, until the end. Her, The other sister, Rhonda, is the same way. She goes into that classroom, and she wells her hand and pen, and those children respect her. The other teachers respect her until she realizes that she needs uh, sometimes we, we It's good to have that confidence, but it's also good to know that we are one and that we need one another, no matter how strong we are. We mm-hmm. can still crumble and need the love of friends and family to help. And when they finally notice that she's suffering at the end, they do come. They do come to her aid to love her. But but she's not shown that type of, of need of uh, support in the way that, they needed to have come forward earlier. Do you see but that com- common in families, Claudia, where yes. people are so used to doing it all themselves, they, yes. they, they you just don't give that support? Years ago, families stood up, it seemed, and would offer more support. Now we just kind of watch each other's lives go as they will, and yes. they every now and then go, yeah, okay, uh-huh, right. <laughs> yes, it's almost like... That's not my business. I'm going to stay yes. over here in my yard and you do your thing over there. Uh, but uh, a loving neighbor is a neighbor maybe who can uh, balance when to go over and when to stay in your own yard and wave and when to just say, okay, I'm going to take a chance and go risk to see if this person is all right. Mm-hmm. That, that and is, and I, we need Go ahead. We need that. We need that. We need to take risks in life, and I'm all about risks, and my characters are about risks 
as well. Yeah, or else life starts to feel stagnant and boring to us. But I, I, I really appreciate, I know we talked about it before, but more in depth this time, um, how you take Fenonia, I mean, she has it going on, especially at the start of the book. You would admire her, and then you start to like it. Just starts to unravel, and what 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 goes on then? And then she's so used to being so strong that she's still under all this pressure. It just just so much spiraling out of control. She still tries to hold it all together herself, and then to see the transformation of her and JT, I think it's really wonderful the way you you did that. Uh, I just think it's wonderful, and then th- that when they come back together, they both see that they've changed. Uh, yeah, to, yeah, that they've done that inner work, and I and you you have them yeah. to do it. And did you do this with deliberation, Claudia? You have them go through this change. It's painful. Did, did yeah. you do that with deliberation? Was that something yeah. that was? I did. I did because sometimes you've got to be burnished in the fire so that you can see your true beauty and who you really are. Mm-hmm. Because we are we are powerful spirits in these human bodies having the course of our dramas here. But uh, when the weight of the physical world becomes so evident, we've got to go within and do the work and realize that we can overcome anything. Wow, yes. Now, before we move on to talk about Dolly, she's another amazing character. Can you tell us, who our off-the-shelf listeners, just about maybe two or three other characters, and if you love me, come, which sounds more and more like such a fascinating story. <laughs> uh, uh, can you tell us about some of the other major characters in If yes. You Love Me, Come? And what happens to them to help move the story forward? Okay. Uh, Fernonia's number one ace boon coon friend her BFF is Charmaine Cooper Naylor. I love her name because Cooper Naylor I nailed together as two of the authors that I love, Joan California Cooper and Gloria Naylor. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, at one point in the story, somebody asks her, well, are you a writer? Because with a name like that, you should be a writer. But uh, in her case, She is spiraling out of control. When she uh, goes around free and free notices that she has a sadness, a deep sadness that you could almost cut with a knife. So Mm. free is a good friend, and she asks, what's wrong? You know, there's got to be something wrong. And in, in Charmaine's case, Charmaine is caught in a very, very, uh, unsettling marriage because Victor says whatever he wants to say and crushes her whenever Mm. he comes off the road as a truck driver. But Charmaine has been in hiding most of her life, all of her life, and she comes out of the closet to her beloved friend, Fernonia. And she's afraid, though, because she's thinking that if she comes out as a lesbian to Fernonia, Fernonia might do, who knows what other people, what she's thinking everybody would do, which is to close the door, put her back in the closet, and walk away Mm -hmm. and say, I can't can't deal deal with that. But Mm -hmm. Fernonia says, you know, you're my girl, and and, and I don't care who you love, and, you know, I'm going to love you and stand beside you. So there's her support. Right. She has been going through it with the husband and with the um, sadness of being in a closet because a closet is stifling. Oh, and it yeah. It very life out of you. Right. So she she stands up because of her friend's love for her, and that love and support uh, catapults her into a healthy relationship. And, and, and she meets the woman at Free's uh, a book club meeting. Free is the bookstore owner. Right. Has book club meetings where they meet and talk about different books. And Charmaine finally says, I'm going to go because her husband had been saying, No, you can't go anywhere. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. I need you to stay at the house. And no, he, he, and when she finally released herself from him, she was able to embrace life. 
Wow. You have so that's charming. Again, you have such fascinating characters <laughs> in your in, in in your books, and Dolly is another fascinating character. Yeah. Dolly, uh, for off the shelf listeners, she's a character in the book Dolly: The Memoirs of a High School Graduate. Now she has a, a marvelous sense of humor. I get a I get a, I get the sense that there's a little bit of you in each of your characters. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, because yes. <laughs> you have this ever-present spirit yourself. What happens to Dolly to place her at the center of the story? Dolly is a small-town high school girl who's graduating, and she decides, Mom, she's raised by her mom and her grandmother. She lives with her brother, Charlie Davidson. She just says, I've got to get out of here. And I have her in a fictional southern town called Julep, Georgia. And she wants to leave and and go north. She's heard so many things about the north. It's an enchanting place. It's somewhere different. And if she had been in the north, I'm sure going to the south or going somewhere else might have been enchanting. So her mother finally says, okay, you can go. And you may even meet your father because I hear he's still in the north. He's still in Michigan. And they had parted uh, many, many moons ago. So Dolly gets a plane and she goes to visit her people in Michigan, in Detroit in particular. She falls in love, finds young love. His name is Yancey. She gets a job in a beauty salon and she meets her father. She has all sorts of ups and downs while she's up there. And and her going to the north was uh, very much like a capstone to her growing up. That sometimes you've got to leave the apron strings. Not sometimes. You've got to leave the apron mm-hmm. strings and, in order to go somewhere and, on your own and stand up. And even though she was with family, in a sense, she was a, alone and amongst others. So she grows up quite a bit, and by the time she goes home, she's truly more of a well-rounded young woman than the girl that went up to uh, Michigan, to Detroit, because she experiences a murder up there. Uh, One of her friends at the beauty salon, uh, her boyfriend is is killed. He's a young man in Detroit, and we know how fast-paced Detroit can be. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And my nephews, I I had two nephews there. One uh, passed in the streets of Detroit, oh. so uh, I know I know Detroit can be caustic, like like large, like right. any large city. Yeah, Philadelphia, and, New yes. York, Chicago, you name it. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. So, now, what 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 year did you say that uh, Dolly the memoir? What what year is this set in? Oh, that is set in the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. About probably about seventy five, seventy six. Okay. Now who are who are Maggie and Emma? Now Maggie and Emma are relatives to Dolly, people that she goes to stay with in the north. And and girls that she hangs out with. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to say yeah. something to our listeners. Two things I want to ask you, especially for off-the-shelf listeners who are writers or who would like to become published writers themselves. Uh, anybody who goes over to your website, and we're speaking to, for anyone who just tuned in, to Claudia Moss, and she is the author of the books, If You Love Me, Come, Dolly, the Memoirs of a High School Graduate. She's also had works put into anthologies, and she's working on a new book not without passion. She's online at claudiamoss.wordpress.com, and that's C-L-A-U-D-I-A-M-O-S-S dot wordpress.com. And I say that her website for this reason. If you go over there and read some of the excerpts from her writing, you'll understand what I'm getting ready to ask her. You write in a very personable style. When your your writing is, and not all writers are able to do this, um, it's almost as if the character is speaking right to the reader. You have this very it's it's very easy to connect with your characters because of your writing style. Does that come natural to you or did you go to school to learn that there's a rare quality where it's almost like the character 
the reader feels like they know the character almost, the way you write. Is that natural to you, or did you learn study to learn to write like that? I think that was innate. I think it's natural. Um, in, I don't think in school I mm, learned that. I think I cultivated that by uh, living the life I live in the family that I live in, in the family that I grew up with. Uh, I'm, uh, the South is a very intricate part of my world, and uh, the people who people my novels also are similar to the people, of course, in my life. So, no, uh, I think that some authors helped me to hone in on my voice, and those authors are people that I absolutely uh, love, like Toni Morrison. I think uh, she does the same thing with uh, having a character to lull you into the story and have you not want to leave. You just want to stay with that character forever and ever, um, whether that character be Ticola Breedlove in The Bluest Eyes or uh, Setha in Beloved. You're so immersed in the character. I I just try and connect that way. Yeah, it seems very natural when I read your writing. It's it's, it's there, that rare quality to your writing uh, that I, I've rarely seen. But um, I don't know. It's it's very. It's almost like the story is real, and the character. Like you you've known the character. You didn't just start meeting the character when you started reading the book. That said, what is your process? For our, again, our listeners who are writers who would like to be writers themselves, other than your personal style, which comes, you said, sort of naturally to you, what mm-hmm. what is the process that you use, Claudia, when you sit down to create a character? How do you how do you get them to come out? So, well, I know that, that there's parts of you and your characters, obviously. Yeah. But w- when you develop these many different characters, do you follow a certain process, or it just is that something that just comes naturally as well? I think that comes naturally as well. What I tend, what happened with uh, Not Without Passion was that uh, Moon Renfro kind of came first. And I would sit quietly and listen and, and think within my creative menu that what she was saying. I would listen to her and, and wonder what if she did this now and, and just try and see her through my third eye through through my eyes of creativity what does this, this woman look like what is she saying what does she want what isn't she getting what what does she miss somewhere who is she fighting who is she loving and i kind of sit with that at those thoughts and germinate and let those thoughts blossom in me until i have a full-blown flower and tree and then i sit down to do the best that I can of capturing that voice and capturing what's happening with her. And as I capture her and paint her on the page, everything else fills in. Uh, Her love fills in. Her children fills in. Um, uh, And with the children and the other characters, sometimes they come full-blown Sometimes they, a part of them is there, and I have to sit quietly and wait for them to manifest. It's almost like um, an invisible uh, something, an, an invisible power is 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 feeding you the the uh, story, and and you've got to be quiet and trust that it's coming. And sometimes it doesn't come. Sometimes you're going, oh, my God, I wonder what's going to happen. Let me be still. And I mean, why can't I think of what she's going to do next? But, you know, I catch myself and realize I don't have to think of what she's going to do next. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to Mm. see it. And it's going to come. And and it does. And when I sit down and position myself to write, and it's just like a pianist with the fingers over the keys. It's like a conductor holding the wand ready for the orchestra to begin, knowing and having faith that it will begin. Uh, Sitting there and placing myself in position, it comes. Wow. So you really, before you start to write, if I'm understanding you correctly, 
you sit down and you really get to the heart of this character. You don't yeah. just start writing and then see, start making, you know, the character have a certain style yeah. or fashion taste or they have, these, they're drawn to these. You really get to the core of the character. To You probably feel very connected to the character yourself, yeah. which would, might inf- probably influences your style that that as well. You yeah. yourself get to the core of the character, and once you feel that, then you start to write. Yes, and then it comes, and I wow. and I trust that it's coming, and it does. Mm. So, so even when I'm not writing, uh, like I know I'm 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 walking towards the story to finish it up now because I'm finishing up other projects right now. But even while not working on the story. I can still feel the characters and see them again, and they are coming back into focus, almost as if they're saying, hi, we've missed you, hi, and, and this is what's been going on, and this is what I'm, I've been thinking about doing. So I'm, I'm meeting them again because we've been away from one another for a few months now, and, and they're each coming back to say hello, and we can get started. You know how many writers... Now, this I haven't done, but how many writers tell me they hear voices in their head of these characters, and so they have to write just to get that to stop? Or <laughs> and these yeah. are the same yeah. writers. How, you know, and then you getting before you – now, for somebody, they say we have a listener who wants to hone in on their writing craft, but they don't get what you get, Claudia. Maybe they don't – they can't get to the core of the character. How would you – what advice would you give them to start to develop a character if they don't? I, they don't. I, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. That's a wonderful question. I would tell them to start with something as simple as, "What if a let's say a a teenager if they're going to write YA fiction? What if a teenager had to do something heroic?" But this person didn't start out a heroic type person. Mm. What could happen? What could happen ah, to make yes. this person heroic? And then, then that person, ah. that question could begin to formulate in the in the creative mind, and some something might spring forth to say, uh, "I could save another student's life who was tormenting me." And I had the choice to walk away, but I couldn't. Wow! You know, you just you you now see when you start talking about writing, that's something that we only have seven like seven minutes left in today's show. It's gone by so fast, but I could spend hours just talking about character development, plot development, and then when you talk about what if you don't have an ideal, like you say, you sit and you let the do you feel connected to the core of the character? If that doesn't happen. Ask a question. What if? Because in every great book, the character has to transform. There has yes. to. They have to have a challenge or an obstacle, and yes. it must help them to transform. And generally, they don't even know that the obstacle is actually helping them to transform, as we don't in our own personal lives. We think it's coming right. to destroy us. We don't know that it's coming to help reshape us and transform us. And so, exactly. yeah. And so, with a character. A writing, you know, great writers take these challenges and they reshape these characters. And then you look at them at the end of the story. I've always been told if your character does not transform, you didn't do a good job as a writer. They Something has got to change in that character from the beginning of that book to the end of the book. And oddly enough, if the writing is done effectively enough, something in each reader will also change. Yes, and, but, and yes. It's, that is so true. And there's, let's add something else. If you don't believe it, examine your life and the mm. lives of those around you. The, your life never stays the same. Yeah. Even if yeah. you think your days are similar, they aren't. Life mm-hmm. is change. And life will change you. If you are afraid to move from block A Life will knock you out of block A. You will be screaming (laughs) as you go to B. (laughs) Or again, it'll feel very boring and stagnant to you, and you'll feel stuck, and that's an awful, awful feeling. 
And you'll just tell yourself, you know what? You got to get up your courage because you got to move on because I'm not staying here. It's it's, it's one of those things that's going to happen to you. Abby, I definitely want to remember to ask you this as we come down to the last five minutes. Tell our listeners where they can get copies of your books. If you love me, come. (laughs) And Dolly, the memoirs of a high school graduate. And, and, And your new book, when will it be on the market? And also let us know where you can get copies of your poetry books. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, All of my books can be picked up right there on Amazon.com. And you can receive them as paperbacks. And also all of them are Kindle books. Everything except uh, Dolly, uh, Memoirs of a High School Graduate. And that is one of my projects, to work on that piece and put it on Kindle, and I'm going to do that in 2013 as well. But you can go to Amazon and Google, uh, not Google, uh, just put in Claudia Moss, and you will find my novel, you will find my short stories on Wanda B. You will also find my poetry collection, Soft Tsunami. So um, I'm excited about that. But um, you can also email me and get a PDF in case you don't uh, want uh, Kindle books or paperbacks. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I will have the PDFs available for those buyers who want to buy the PDF. Okay. Now, you're on Facebook. Can you tell us some of the other social uh, media yes. networks that you're on? Oh, yes. I am on Twitter, and I'm on Twitter as Wanda B. Wonders. And she gets on Twitter and starts all kind of stuff. I wonder why so-and-so is going so. I wonder <laughs> And then um, I am on Twitter as the Lady Siren because I am the siren on poetry stages. I'm also on YouTube. I have a channel there. I am the Lady Bestseller. The Lady Bestseller. I'm I'm the Lady Bestseller on YouTube. Yes, and um, let's see, let's see where else. Oh, I'm on Instagram as Claudia Moss, and I'm on Tumblr as Claudia Moss. Okay, Claudia Moss, Tumblr, and Instagram, and then YouTube, The Lady Bestseller, and, of course, Facebook, and and also on on Twitter. If somebody wanted – you're such a good speaker, Claudia. If somebody oh, wanted you. to have you come speak at one of their organizations, can are you open to that? And if so, uh, how would oh they contact goodness, you? Yeah. Thank you for that question. Uh, they can contact me via Miss, M-I-S-S, Claudia Moss, at gmail.com. And at Gmail, I will get those emails and respond right away. And they can also contact me on my Google number. And my Google number is 678-868-861-6085. Once again, my Google number is 678-861-6085. And, Denise, I've got to say today that I think in connecting my fiction and, and my life, I think that everything that happens to you, whether you know it or not, whether you're judging it or not, is for your good because you never come here alone. You come with a spiritual force of angels that camp round about you, and they are just waiting for you to recognize uh, that you have the power to call on that divine presence for anything that you need, want. Wow. And And you know what? And and I couldn't agree with you more. And what a wonderful note to end on. Claudia, I I, I tell you, I had, you know, I didn't, I had about 20 other questions I wanted to ask you. (laughs) It was just such a, such a wonderful show. And I think that tip, I hope any writer or anybody who wants to be a writer can take that what if question that you asked and and start on an awesome story. You shared a, a marvelous tip and so much wonderful information about if you love me come and Dolly the memoirs of a high school graduate and your new book uh uh uh, uh and, and, and and let me get to it the new book not without passion. Oh, you didn't tell yeah. us tell me quickly when is it coming out? Oh, it's coming out this year. I would say more than likely the summer. It should okay. be out before the summer. 
I know you said you wanted to have it finished the early part of this year. I okay, do. so we look I forward, do. not without passion, for off-the-shelf listeners for the summer of 2013 from Claudia Moss. I want to thank Claudia. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today to Off the Shelf. We really, really appreciate you. Please come back next Saturday. Tell your family, your friends, book lovers, your colleagues, everybody to tune in to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock where we bring you awesome writers, editors, literary agents, publicists, uh, small business owners who share advice that you can use, that you can benefit from. And I definitely think that tip Claudia gave was one I hadn't heard before that anybody looking to write a, a phenomenal book could use. And, 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 again, that's the first time I ever heard that. So I thank you for sharing that here with our listeners on Off the Shelf. As I always tell you, you are so incredibly valued. You are amazing. Thank you. You're awesome <laughs> to all of our listeners and to Claudia. You, you, I, I tell all of our listeners this. Go out and create a fabulous, fabulous day for yourself. And please support Claudia and her books, If You Love Me, Come, and her poetry. Thank you. And, Dolly, which you can find at Amazon.com. Again, Claudia Moss, C-L-A-U-D-I-A-M-O-S-S. And, Claudia, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for Okay. Now. Thank you.